Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. The big game is back, and you know what that means. We get to bet on what color Gatorade will dunk the winning coach. Now, each of the last two years, the Bucks and the Rams have gone for blue. Three of the last four years, blue has been the winning color, and yet blue comes in as the second largest favorite this year at plus 390. At plus 200, you can get orange. At plus 400, you can get clear or watercolor. Yellow, green, slash lemon, lime, also at plus 400. Red is sitting at plus 600, and purple comes in at plus 1,000. All of your big game bets are available at Bet Online Sportsbook, and you can use our promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Using the link in the description to this episode, Bet Online, where the game starts. Good afternoon or good night. However, and whenever it is you may be listening, thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy Podcast Live. On the Believe Podcast Network, except it isn't live because it is, as always, a podcast. Welcome, 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 everybody. It is a fantabulous February 2nd, according to my count. It may not be that according to your count, but we appreciate you stopping in, however and whenever it is that you may be listening. Joining us on the show today is our friend Juju Talks Sports. We have been continuing our series of eulogies around NFL teams, and this week we're going to take a stab at two different teams, the Cincinnati Bengals and the Baltimore Ravens. They both played each other in the playoffs. They both play in the same division. Both teams have very interesting paths along the 2022 season, and both of these teams might be right there at the top of the AFC next season. So we'll talk about them coming up. Baltimore's got an interesting offseason to talk about. And instead of doing the classic Lamar Jackson conversation, we have a really good conversation about John Harbaugh and where the Ravens kind of reside. And I, I, I articulate the point about John Harbaugh and his future with the team being secure until John Harbaugh wants to hang it up. And the thing that's going to change that is having multiple six or seven win seasons, which I don't foresee in the future because of having Lamar Jackson on the team. I went back and listened to this because we recorded it when Baltimore got eliminated, and it's a really good conversation, and it's aged really well. I'm excited to bring that to you, excited to talk about the Bengals as well. It's a Sports Radio Thursday. The place to begin the Sports Radio Thursday is by discussing Tom Brady retiring because uh, we're here again. Last year we did a a show that was called, uh, it was actually a breaking news show that we did about when Adam Schefter reported the news that Tom Brady was retiring. That was Tom Brady has retired, long live Tom Brady. And uh, 
Then Tom Brady announced his retirement that was all part of the plot to get to the Miami Dolphins with Sean Payton and have him be president slash quarterback. He announced his retirement on the morning of February 1st, 2022. This year, he announced his retirement on the morning of February 1st, 2023. 365 years ago to the day, which sometimes we do things out of habit just because we're like, ah, we did this at this time last year. Tom Brady, kind of a force of habit, because remember, he retired the morning of February 1st last year, and this year he retired at literally the exact same time. In fact, the impulse was so significant from what he was doing at that exact time last year and following the habit that Tom Brady just turned on his phone on the beach, recorded a retirement video, and posted it on his social media. And that was it. After everything that's gone on over the last three seasons, from going from New England to Tampa, to winning the championship in Tampa, to, as we discussed in our Patri- our, our Buccaneers eulogy, signing a two-year contract when he should have signed a one-year contract so that he had the flexibility to switch teams, after everything that happened with that, and then getting Bruce Arians fired as coach of the Buccaneers because of his plot to go to Miami with Sean Payton that couldn't come because he was under contract with the Bucs and the Bucs weren't ready to relinquish that deal. And part of his condition of coming back was getting Bruce Arians fired. To then go through missing training camp, to everything going on with his divorce and his personal life and everything that people got all up in his business about, to the Bucks going 9-8 and eight and losing in the playoffs in embarrassing fashion with a team that was incapable of scoring 20 points the entire season until they were pressed with the possibility of not making the playoffs, at which point they just went bombs away against the Carolina Panthers for 31 points, but other than that game, incapable of scoring 20 points the entire season. After everything that happened in the chaotic last year since Tom Brady retired, totally incredible, totally incredible use of power for a quarterback who leveraged his power into his mid-40s. Like, after everything that happened, at the same exact time, 365 days later, he just threw on his camera and recorded a retirement, and that was it. I find that to be incredibly anticlimactic and incredibly interesting. And the only thing we can talk about this is the storyline aspect of it, because it's either Tom Brady's going to retire and not play football anymore, or Tom Brady's going to quarterback the shitty 7-10 and Las Vegas Raiders, or he's going to go quarterback the shitty 7-10 and New Orleans Saints. Or he's going to quarterback the shitty 7-10 and Buccaneers. Like, there's no good team that's actually going to go sign Tom Brady. I know Brock Purdy might be out for the entire season. If you sign Tom Brady and you're the 49ers, it means that you just you don't believe in Trey Lance. And if you just straight up don't believe in Trey Lance, like, what are we doing here? <laughs> so, yeah, no, Tom Brady was going to play for a mediocre team or he was going to retire, and he retires. It's basically the equivalent of Baker Mayfield going to the Panthers. Would have been Tom Brady going to insert team here. Vegas, New Orleans, Tampa, whatever losing team or mediocre team would have signed Tom Brady. So from a football standpoint, nothing really to it. It just opens a chair. It opens a musical chair of quarterbacks for one of these mid quarterbacks to go play with a 
poorly constructed roster and go seven and ten or eight and nine just opens an opportunity for Derek Carr to make more money or opens an opportunity for Jimmy Garoppolo to make more money or opens an opportunity for Matt Ryan to make more money. One of, or Teddy Bridgewater, Jacoby Brissett, you know, the quarterbacks in the rotation, one of them just got the opportunity to make more money because Tom Brady's retirement removes one of the quarterbacks from the musical chairs game. And it's not really that important because most of these quarterbacks are available for a reason. There's a reason Derek Carr's a free agent. There's a reason Jimmy Garoppolo is a free agent. There's a reason Jacoby Brissett's a free agent. And there's a reason Tom Brady was about to be a free agent. They don't actually have a grander impact on the football watching, you know, if you don't care about mid-football, then this decision didn't really have a broader impact on the sport. And it's just really interesting from a storyline standpoint. And as we outlined for about five minutes after the wild 365 days and really the wild three years of the Tom Brady experience in Tampa, uh, that's how it ends. Kind of anticlimactic, if you ask me. So with that being said, let's roll along on this sports radio Thursday talking about the Cincinnati Bengals. And we begin with the Joe Burrow clip talking about how the window is always open for the Cincinnati Bengals, as long as he is there. You know, you never know what can happen in the future in terms of who's going to be here next year. What thought ever crossed your mind about a window, maybe? The window's my whole career, and, and everybody that that we have in that locker room, all the coaches we have, you know, things are going to change year to year, but uh, our window's always open. You heard it from the franchise quarterback of the Bengals himself. Joe Burrow says that his championship window is always open. Do you believe that is the case? Is Joe Burrow's prime his entire championship window? Yes. And also that doesn't mean that he's going to be competing for championships every year. That is my answer of kind of giving the nuanced answer of like Joe Burrow is correct. And also it's much more complicated than like you have Joe Burrow. Therefore, you are going to compete for championships every year. Uh, The Bengals still have to provide him with a stable organization and good players and uh, maybe some good coaching. I mean, he's won already with shitty coaching, but at least to give him stable coaching and good players and a stable organization. I'll say Zach Taylor is probably more middle tier coaching i wouldn't say shitty coaching he's had his moments i saw i saw zach taylor try and call a timeout on the interception logan wilson made in the game against the titans that ended up leading to them winning that divisional game last year he tried to call timeout on the game winning interception but uh, and pete carroll's also froze out his own kicker Fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. But I am not a big Zach Taylor guy. But either way, that's besides the point. I just wanted to take a shot at Zach Taylor. (laughs) Well, you talk about stability. Don't you feel like Duke Tobin and the front office of the Bengals have created a stable environment? In fact, are the Bengals as bad as we once made them when everyone is having that debate? Should Joe Burrow say no to the Bengals? That was overblown to me. The Bengals, at least if you grew up in my generation, they're a team that was making it to the playoffs every year, pretty consistently. Even though Marvin Lewis uh, never really could take that next step with this team, Andy Dalton could never take that next step with this team, Joe Burrow is better than Andy Dalton. I'll say that for sure. They went Mm -hmm. to a Super Bowl last year, so I saw the evidence that they can at least get to a Super Bowl. And they were within, what, 10 minutes of winning that Super Bowl? They had the lead. They had the lead in the fourth quarter. That's not something that 
uh, shabby organizations tend to do. That's not something that's easily replicable. So I think that Joe Burrow is correct to say these comments. When I think about when he first came into the league, when he first started for the Bengals, the change was tangible. The change in the locker room, the change of the field was tangible for the Bengals. I think it was a Thursday night game against Cleveland where he put up like an insane stat line at something like 400 yards. This is even pre-Jamar Chase. This is before his knee injury that you could tell that there was something to Joe Burrow. And there's like an aura that kind of surrounds him. Like going back to the LSU 2019 championship, just that level of confidence. Normally when someone's like overconfident, like Baker Mayfield, you kind of like tune them out or Aaron Rodgers, you kind of start to get a little bit like, oh, okay, here we go. But like with Joe Burrow, I'm like, okay, you know what? I believe this guy. I feel this. Like his comment of the championship window is always open as long as I'm here. I'm okay. I'm a, I, I believe this dude. There's something that about me buying in that I feel like the players in his locker room also buy in. And I, I feel like that's why the Bengals have had such a quick turnaround. I think the reason that's the case, and there, there are a handful of examples of this, so we can talk about like whether this is a psychology point, is like we have literally never seen Joe Burrow fail. Because our remember, he didn't play at Ohio State. Our first introduction to Joe Burrow was with LSU in 2019, and they won the championship. And then in 2020, he tore his ACL. Just quick counter, didn't we see him in 2018 with LSU? Well, we did. Okay, we did see him in 2018. Matt Canada was the one man that could make Joe Burrow fail. But but people didn't know Joe Burrow at that point. People were like, oh, it's LSU, but people didn't know who Joe Burrow was. I'm saying Joe Burrow went into that 2019 season as like the 12th biggest favorite for the Heisman Trophy, and then everything happened after that. So you have that championship season. 2020 tears his ACL and then goes to the Super Bowl the next year. And then this year, the Bengals might have the best team in the AFC. And even if they are worse than Kansas City, they still won the AFC North. Like we we got the Joe Burrow cigar photo again this week. So like our, our perceptions of Joe Burrow are such in that way. And yeah, I, I think that the the aura that you talk about is there only because Joe Burrow can back it up. Like he has an aura and he's also one of the five best quarterbacks in the NFL. And you kind of have to have both in order to uh, to necessarily succeed. So yeah, I, I think that there's a, there is something to what he's talking about. We're like, as, as long as I'm here, the window is open because they will at the very least be competitive every single year that they have Joe Burrow. So what would it take for you to move him a tier up? Because again, you consider Mahomes as tier one guy that his championship window is open. You've said that before. You believe that firmly. What's Mm -hmm. the difference between Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow when you look at their success in the league? Very comparable early career resumes. I'm so glad that you asked that. The only difference is they've just done it for longer. I just need a larger sample size on Joe Burrow to put him in that group, which is not fair to Joe Burrow at all. Three years. Isn't that a long sample size? Well, two years because he... Remember, he tore his ACL in 2020. But he was damn good the year that he tore his ACL. Yeah, I'm just the point being like Lamar Jackson have won an MVP four seasons ago. So I look at that and I'm like, he has only put up, a, well, except for the, the year uh, 2021. In 2020 and 2022, he has put up incredible numbers following those MVP seasons. And even the year that he didn't put up great numbers 
the Ravens were still two two point conversions away from being the number one seed in the AFC before he got hurt. So I give Lamar Jackson the bump there only because I've seen it for longer. Josh Allen's there because Josh Allen's been doing it for years. I'm I'm on iffy ground with Josh Allen, but it's he's it's like right a there. Season it's, longer. Yeah, I know. And and Joe Burrow's right there. I think Joe Burrow's going to be in tier one probably at the end of this year. I would assume. I mean, Joe Burrow is. Well, what would be, that be the difference between now? And three weeks from now, that would change that for you. I'm not saying that there is anything. I think I have him at tier two right now. And maybe I go back. But you are saying something because you have him tier two. Yeah, I have him in tier two. And I think that's just because think that Joe, I think that Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes are better than him. And it's a kind of a semantics argument about Lamar Jackson versus Joe Burrow. I think Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow are three and four. And the difference between three and four isn't that significant. So yeah, I think Joe Burrow might be tier one. I just, I'm not sure when or what that's going to change, but I think it's, it's ultimately semantics because Joe Burrow is I think Justin Herbert's in the same group. It's ultimately semantics because those quarterbacks with the teams that they have can win games against tier one quarterbacks any given week. One week, they might look like Patrick Mahomes and the next week they might look like uh, Joe Burrow, or at least what we expect Joe Burrow to be. So I I think it's ultimately semantics. I mean, the difference between three and four and five is semantics until you have to put it in action in a game. And if I was to have you play GM here or play dynasty or whatever it may be. And I was telling you, you have Lamar Jackson, you have Joe Burrow. Who do you want? You can sign anyone to a one day contract, put them in that game, biggest game in the world. Who do you trust to put in this moment? Then that's where the semantics kind of fades away and you have to make the decision on who you think is just a better quarterback. Well, in that very specific situation, then we can start to break down like what kind of roster do I have around me? What kind of playing style do I want? What does my offensive line look like? And if if we want to go deep into like the Joe Burrow analysis part, I think the thing that's always been intriguing to me about Joe Burrow is that the things he does well don't pop off the screen. Like he's really good at going through progressions. He's really good at hitting receivers on split out routes within small windows. Like those things, it's the same thing that Justin Herbert does, except Justin Herbert every now and again does the like rolling to his left, throwing crazy plays. And I think that's something that like visually makes it difficult to process on Joe Burrow is like, what does Patrick Mahomes do well? Well, he buys time by doing these incredibly athletic things and then he makes throws that nobody ever seen and also can complete 16 consecutive passes in a row like he did against the Houston Texans and just checking down checking down beating you small ball so like I see that and I'm like oh he's you know I there, there's nothing I can pick apart there in terms of like what makes him lesser than insert quarterback here with Joe Burrow it's just a turnover I mean, but would we argue Joe Burrow isn't also prone to a turnover the same way Patrick Mahomes is like everyone's going to turn the ball over now and again. I mean, not as much as like Josh Allen, like he's got a turnover problem. Josh Allen does have a turnover problem. So like every quarterback has their certain faults. I mean, for at least Mm -hmm. half a season with Patrick Mahomes, it was the too high safety. Now defensive coordinators have to adjust and find a new weakness that they can attack. Might not be easy because... Clearly, you take away Tyreek Hill, and he's still a dynamic quarterback, which I guess maybe that would be something to say. Like, if we were to take away (laughs) Jamar Chase, right, would Joe Burrows be the same quarterback? We did have, like, a three-week sample size where Jamar was healing up from the hip injury, and Joe Burrow still looked good in that time frame. And Mm -hmm. even before Jamar Chase, like I said, even pre-knee injury Joe Burrow, I knew that the Bengals hit on something. I knew that they landed something good. I'm confidently putting him in Tier 1 now because – 
just what I've seen, I, I've seen enough. I, I Even if I want to include his last year in college where he was behind the greatest college football offense in history, that's all part of like Joe Burrow. That's all baked in for me. Like I feel confident enough to say Joe Burrow is a tier one quarterback, as confident as Joe Burrow is in saying that his Super Bowl window <laughs> is always open. So I'm also realizing that the reason I have Lamar Jackson as a tier one quarterback is because he's been there for years for me and he hasn't done anything to really like knock him down. And so I feel like I've just kind of like placed him. I think it's the same thing with Josh Allen. Like Josh Allen hasn't had the greatest season in the world this year. Uh, Nick Wright brings up the stat that like since the Kansas City game, Josh Allen is like in the, the teens and 20s in a number of major statistical categories. But even that I don't think is enough to undo the things we know Josh Allen is awesome at. I think switching sporadically like that is something I try not to do. I think why I would have Joe Burrow ahead of Lamar at this point is I just feel more confident in Joe's ability to win with his arm, especially when it comes to age progression. It's something that's going to be more valuable over time. And that's why so many of these arguments go back and forth on a guy like Lamar Jackson and potential for injuries. Not that pocket quarterbacks don't get hurt. It's just generally whenever you use your fastball, which for Lamar Jackson is his ability to run uses athleticism. What's next with Joe Burrow? He's got some athleticism, but ultimately he's a throw first quarterback. And I feel like it can always work with that. It's interesting because I think it's a semantics argument. I think the thing that Joe Burrow does super well is as valuable as what Lamar Jackson does super well. What Lamar Jackson does super well is what I saw in that playoff game against the Titans two years ago, which is slip through a half inch window in the line and go 55 yards for a touchdown. What Joe Burrow does really well is go through progressions and put the ball into places that are incredibly accurate. But maybe like when both guys are at their peak, Lamar's athleticism may give him a slight edge. But if we were just to go over consistency, mm-hmm. peaks, valleys, I feel like Joe Burrow would be a little bit more stable. And that's why I, I think it's something I, I might value. Yeah. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. And and the thing that's difficult is it's not anything Lamar Jackson has done. It's what Joe Burrow has done to to succeed. It's not like it's Lamar Jackson isn't doing this thing. It's just what what Joe Burrow does super well. And so I, yeah, I think it's I, I think easy to compare really those two because obviously they're going to be head to head for the foreseeable future. I'm going to run on the assumption that I think things get done in Baltimore with Lamar Jackson. I feel like so that's going to be our AFC North rivalry for the future. I feel as though maybe that tier one may be expanding. Yeah. So uh, I, one of the things that I think is interesting about that is there, there is no cap on what could be tier one. And like, we could always move tier one around to be like Mahomes is God tier. And then we get to tier one. Like there is no agreed upon metric for this thing. I like doing tiers because I don't like arguing who the third and fourth best quarterback in the league is like Lamar is three. Joe Burrow is four. Ultimately, like what's the difference between the two? Like it's, it's basically nothing. And Justin Herbert wants a, a wants a stake in this conversation as well, because Justin Herbert's knocking on the door right behind these guys. So it, ultimately, I think it's a semantics argument. And the point is true on both, which is as long as you have either quarterback, your championship window is open, per se. For the fourth consecutive season, it appears that the Baltimore Ravens have ended with some level of disappointment in their season. Obviously, the 2019 team with Lamar Jackson losing to the Titans, 2020's team ending with Lamar Jackson throwing a pick six against the Buffalo Bills in the divisional round. 2021, an injury-plagued season with two missed two-point conversions leads to them missing the playoffs. And this year, in a game that nobody thought Baltimore could win, the Ravens 
played incredibly well against the Cincinnati Bengals, only to watch their incredible performance evaporate with another 100 yards of the opposing defense running in the other direction. As the Cincinnati Bengals beat the Baltimore Ravens, J.K. Dobbins had some interesting comments coming out of that game in which he talked about had Lamar Jackson been in the game at the goal line, they would have tucked and run, maybe pushing with the fullback to try and get him in the end zone. And then saying, ultimately, if we had Lamar, we would have won the game. And it's hard to argue with him. Baltimore's defense essentially held the Bengals to 17 points for most of the game. The Ravens scored two touchdowns in the red zone with Tyler Huntley. So... With all of the questions about Lamar Jackson's health, with all of the questions about Lamar Jackson's availability, Juju, has Lamar Jackson played his final game with the Baltimore Ravens? I'm inclined to say no, only because I don't think the Ravens are a bad organization. And I feel as though moving on from Lamar Jackson would be something that a bad organization would do. Now, I do look at the Ravens situation and give them the benefit of the doubt in the sense that I feel like they're offering good contracts to Lamar Jackson. Now I get it. He wants to try and go for this fully guaranteed deal, especially after the Deshaun Watson deal got passed. But I still feel as though knowing that he's going to be one of the top highest paid quarterbacks in the league, I think top three contract when that deal was signed to ink, I still feel like it's a fair contract either way. I can understand the hesitation from the Ravens and not wanting to do a fully guaranteed contract, especially when you consider that Lamar's injuries the last two years have basically ended their seasons by him not being on the field. And we just know that his best asset is going to be his running ability. Not saying that he's a shabby passer, but we know just how elite he is with his legs. So I'm going to say no. I feel like they'll figure something out. I don't know if it's going to be the type of deal where both sides are leaving the negotiating table feeling like they lost something, which is usually the best case for everyone. I can understand that. And the thing that I will also give Baltimore the benefit of the doubt on is 2020 and 2021, they had just a catastrophic number of injuries. I mean, Lamar Jackson aside to end the season in 2021, Baltimore had the second largest percentage of their salary cap go on IR. I think only the Man Campbell Lions had a higher percentage. And then in 2020, they lose Ronnie Stanley. Obviously, they've dealt with all those injuries that, that I mean, they still managed to be the, the number five seed and the other team was that uh, Steelers team that we all know was frauds. So like they were still one of the, the three best teams in the NFC in the in the AFC. So I give them the benefit of the doubt on the injuries. And ultimately, I think what's going to be difficult for them is how they rebuild the roster around Lamar Jackson. Now, I will say everyone being dumb and allowing them to get Kyle Hamilton with the number 14 pick, who is probably going to be a Hall of Famer. I know he's a rookie. He made all pro as a rookie. Our friend Blake Jude had him as his number two graded prospect in the entire class last year. He's a stud. He's on Baltimore. They do good things when you give them talented players. So drafting a generational safety like Kyle Hamilton will help once Lamar Jackson gets that big contract that I assume he's going to get. And and besides the point of like contract negotiations or what they think Lamar Jackson is worth, ultimately, they're going to get a deal done. I suspect it will be done this year. I just don't see them going into camp wanting to do the whole franchise tag thing. It just seems like a bad idea for all parties involved, especially if Lamar Jackson, Geno Smith, and Daniel Jones are all going to be on the franchise tag. Like That's not sending a good signal. I, I, I imagine 
imagine they'll get a long-term deal done. Kind of like what happened after Dak Prescott broke his leg in 2020 and the Cowboys guaranteed him $160 million. I suspect something similar is going to happen with Lamar Jackson over these next few months. Now, do you feel as though their Super Bowl window is still remains open even after you give Lamar a long-term deal? Because we're looking at this AFC. This AFC is loaded, top to bottom, especially that quarterback talent. We know that they've had struggles against the Chiefs. We've seen they have a competitive matchup right now against the Bengals. They could go either way. The Bills seem to have somewhat of their number as well. And then we're starting to see this Jaguars team come up. We're starting to see what could potentially be from this Chargers. What do you think of the Ravens long term? So long term, by having Lamar Jackson on your team, you are good enough to make the playoffs every year. And I want to be careful when I say that, because I said the same thing about the Arizona Cardinals last year when they gave Kyler Murray an extension. So I want to be careful and acknowledge things can go very poorly. But as long as you give Lamar Jackson stability, you can make the playoffs every single year. Now, will it be good enough to beat Kansas City? Will it be good enough to beat Buffalo? As currently constructed, I think the answer is no. I thought even if Baltimore had a fully healthy Lamar Jackson this year, had they gotten to Buffalo or had they gotten to Kansas City, they probably would have lost in the second round of the playoffs. But making the second round of the playoffs in the AFC pretty consistently is a really hard thing to do. I mean, that's incredibly successful because of the teams that you're trying to compete with. I mean, Kansas City theoretically is about to host their fifth consecutive AFC championship game. Like, it's really hard to reach that standard. So I would say Baltimore's best chance to win a championship has passed them by. 2019 was obviously their best season. They could have hosted the AFC championship game. But having Lamar Jackson on your team should be good enough to get you to the playoffs every single year for the next four to five years. I think a good comp for them is what the Seattle Seahawks were in the post-Legion of Boom era, where... They've won 60 regular season games in six years, which is an average of 10 a season, but they never made the NFC championship game. I think that's the best comp for as for Baltimore as currently constructed, but they can they can make a couple of switches and turn this thing around. I think drafting Kyle Hamilton is a great first step because he looks like a generational talent at the safety position. So I think that's a great step to finding value as Lamar Jackson's about to make $40 million a year. Are you at all worried about John Harbaugh? And I ask that because, okay, before Lamar became the full-time star for the Ravens, John Harbaugh was a little bit on the hot seat. Seems crazy for a Super Bowl winning head coach to become a hot seat head coach as fast as he did, but it happened. People started to question his judgment. Now, fast forward to last year, you mentioned there was a couple games in which they arguably lost because of decisions that John Harbaugh made in the games. Then you go to this year, And as soon as Lamar Jackson gets hurt, what value was John Harbaugh adding to the Ravens? Uh, You could say he gave them a tenacity to come out in that game against the Bengals, and they played their ass off even with Tyler Huntley. But the decision to try and jump over the goal line, maybe, maybe that was a Greg Roman call. Maybe that was a John Harbaugh call. What do you think of his future with Baltimore? So... John Harbaugh is one of the seven to eight coaches, depending on how you feel about Sean Payton, one of the seven to eight coaches where once you've got him, you're not really eager to let him go. So I don't think Baltimore is going to be pushing John Harbaugh out the door, 
The thing that I would understand is if Harbaugh wants to leave on his own accord. I mean, he's been at that job for 15 years. I could understand uh, not necessarily a mutual parting of ways, but, you know, if the Ravens are kind of asking him how he feels about his future, if Harbaugh wants to retire or Harbaugh wants to step away, I would understand that more. I don't think Baltimore is eager to push him out the door. I I think they kind of know what they have with Harbaugh because now we've seen him do it with like multiple iterations of this team. We've seen him do it with the Joe Flacco, Ray Lewis, Ed Reed teams. We've seen him do it with the in-between period where Flacco was still the quarterback, but they were uh, bringing in all of those uh, linebacking pieces and and revamping the defensive line with Calais Campbell. And then they bring in Lamar in 2018 and they totally reinvent their offense. It's one of the greatest coaching jobs I've ever seen is them just totally pivoting and reinventing their offense. At the end of the day, doesn't that still result in one playoff win in five years, if not longer? Yeah, I think that's a little bit misleading because they've been in the playoffs three of the last four years and had Lamar been healthy, they would have been there. And Yeah, but you know, Marvin Lewis, yeah. too, went to the playoffs a bunch of times, but after enough one and dones, the Bengals decided to cut bait. And John always is going to have that Super Bowl ring to ward over the organization and say, hey, only two coaches to get you one of these. I get to stay here as long as I want. I get that. I understand the hesitancy move on, but at the same time, if you're just standing stuck in neutral, if you're just standing in quicksand, you're not really advancing the organization. And I respect what John Harbaugh is as a CEO head coach, but some would argue, wouldn't it be better to get someone who's an actual play caller in there if you want to try and take a next step? What is the next step from John Harbaugh, though? I mean, so the the, the thing that the next step is someone that you think can help you win a Super Bowl. And at least in this iteration, you mentioned getting it done. What is getting it done? Just making it to the playoffs? Are you happy being a first-round exit? If that's what your goal is as the organization, okay, that's fine. But I, I don't think fans will necessarily stand behind that, especially because you've been an organization that in the last 20 years has shown that you can win Super Bowls. Was that yeah. strictly linked to Ray Lewis, or is it going to be John Harbaugh who can lead them to their next Super Bowl? Well, I think it'll be Lamar Jackson who leads them to their next Super Bowl if that's going to happen. I, the thing that's difficult with that is I think John Harbaugh gives you the best chance realistically to win the Super Bowl. Like, I think that that is he's one of those eight indispensable coaches. And I will say the thing that might change my mind on this is if he has multiple Sean McVay seasons like last year, like if they go six and 11 and seven and 10, I think the the tide will start to shift a little bit. I mean, part of the reason why. Harbaugh was potentially on his way out the door was because in 2000, it was either 2015 or 2016, they went five and 11. And that was the season that allowed them to draft Ronnie Stanley with, I think the sixth pick in the draft. So he had that five and 11 season. And then they started out, I think it was two years later going uh, two and five or two and six, right before Lamar Jackson took over. So I I think he had those two not great seasons that were kind of pushing him in that direction. Always had this debate with my dad about former Angels manager Mike Sosha. Yes, Mike Sosha, respect him for his ability to win that World Series for the Angels when he did in 2002, 2003, I forget at this point. But at a certain point, it started to just become, are you just kind of a placeholder? Has this organization topped out? I feel as though sometimes change is good for everyone. Andy Reid even kind of maxed out in Philly. I think John Harbaugh, he might have reached the point where he's maxed out there. Now, I will say in something in Harbaugh's favor, 
there's not many coaches, especially when you start going into alternative coaching selections, that would be so willing to adjust their entire play style like Harbaugh was willing to do when they got Lamar Jackson in that building and when he officially took over the reins at starting quarterback. Now, if you could find someone that also is willing to work with the play style that Lamar Jackson and the talent you have on this roster demands, that's going to be another challenge because I don't think you just get any coach to come in here and work with the current offensive personnel you have. It's a very specific personnel that this organization has built that's mostly catered to what Lamar Jackson does best. Who's that alternative selection? I don't know. There's not one that comes off the mind. Who's Who else is running this style of football? <laughs> Bobby Petrino. Go get Bobby Petrino. <laughs> what, so he can leave he did a it note once. in the locker room and say, hey, guys, I'm sorry, but I'm taking the Arkansas job or whatever it was when he left. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that Bobby Petrino did do that as an NFL head coach. Make him offensive coordinator. Let's not make him a head coach. Let's make him offensive coordinator of the Ravens and maybe they'll work out from there. But hire whoever the to your Navy point, head coaches run the wishbone. Ah, Ken Niamatololo. He just got fired, so he's uh he's available right now if you want to if you want to go get Ken Niamatololo. Uh the thing that's interesting about John Harbaugh is the the fact that he did pivot and the fact that it's one of the like most amazing coaching jobs I've ever seen is their ability to have the flexibility to pivot once they built an offense around Lamar Jackson. And they've made the playoffs four times in the last five years. Like I know we set the expectations at like taking the next step and all of that. Like I don't want to underestimate just how difficult that is. And had they converted two two point conversions last year, because remember they had the two two point conversions when they could have kicked to go to overtime, but they chose to go for two and didn't get it. If those two plays hit, when Lamar Jackson gets hurt last year, they're the number one seed in the AFC. So the year they didn't make the playoffs, they were almost number one seed in the AFC. So to that point, like, I know we're talking about taking the next step and all of that. I don't want to underestimate just how hard it is to make the playoffs four times in five years and make the divisional playoff twice and put together what I consider to be the most unbeatable team I've ever seen in that 2019 Ravens team. Like, I don't want to undersell just how difficult that is in the <laughs> unbeatable NFL until you hit Derrick Henry. <laughs> Well, yeah, it was at, at the time it was the most unbeatable team. It was the most unbeatable team I'd seen until they got beat by the Titans. But regular season, it was the most unbeatable team Niner I'd ever should have got them too. There was there was a bad call, if I recall. But yeah, Tucker last second field goal. Yeah, yeah, eh, that's okay though. It, it, they they were okay. they were amazing, and so I don't want to I don't want to poo poo like oh they can just go find another Harbaugh like I think that the the key to taking the next step for the Ravens is going to be uh, with the general manager and with personnel. It is how do you hit on those draft picks? You you tr you traded Hollywood Brown for a first round pick. Like is that going to be a mistake? Is that could are you going to yeah. be able to find another receiver? They've done great with the defense, pivoting to Patrick Queen and Kyle Hamilton. Like, they've done an amazing job with the defense. It's just I think personnel. Once Lamar's going to make forty million dollars, got to find value in the margins. So I think personnel and general manager is going to be the person we should hold more accountable in this situation. Okay, Kyle, I'm going to make you a NFL scriptwriter for a day. If Lamar is not a Raven next year, which team would be the best team to see Lamar end up in? Ooh, that's a great question. That's a great question. This one might be a little bit out there. I'm going to go Philadelphia. 
I'm going to go Philadelphia. I know they have a guy who already does something similar in Jalen Hurts, but if, if you gave Nick Sirianni Lamar Jackson and catered that offense, I, we, we might get back to seeing MVP Lamar Jackson again. I mean, Jalen Hurts is going to finish top four in the MVP this year. I would love to see him play on Philadelphia. Not that it's going to happen, but I would love to watch Lamar Jackson on the Eagles. I'm going to throw out a New York team, but not the New York team that many would suspect. I'm going to say the Giants. I think if we consider Lamar a upgraded Daniel Jones, what Dayball would be able to do. And I feel as though the style of offense that the Giants are already running, we talked about coaches that actually cater to the needs of a quarterback like Lamar Jackson with his skill set. seems like Dayball is doing that in New York with a slightly lesser talent. And hey, and credit to Daniel Jones this year. I think he's worthy of an extension. But if there was the opportunity in play to get Lamar, I think that you should do it if you're them. The Jets, close second for me. I, I feel as though the Jets are close. They have so many great weapons and personnel. It, it I just, have a second team stuff. too, if you yeah. want to get that in there. Because uh, you, you brought up the Jets, Seattle. Seattle would be fun. Seattle would be really fun to watch. I just don't know if that makes them a contender. Like I'm talking about these teams with the Giants and Jets. I feel as though if they got Lamar, they feel like a quarterback away kind of team. I feel like the Seattle Seahawks still have a ways to go. Maybe their guys level up, though. They drafted really well. They still have draft picks to come. So maybe the Seahawks, they could change that if they were able to end up with Omar. But uh, anyway, guys, let us know in the comment section. We talk, covered a lot of ground here. Do you think Lamar signs that contract with the Ravens? If he doesn't sign that contract, which team would you like to see him end up with? you think that John Harbaugh has come to the end of his rope with the Baltimore Ravens organization or has peaked in that organization? We'd like to hear your thoughts. Anyway, guys, leave a like on the video, subscribe to the channel, follow us on social media, at SlumpbusterPod, at Slumpbuster Podcast. From Juju and Kyle, stay safe, happy, and healthy. We will see you next time.